awesome. And I didn't even play the whole thing. Y'all, that's like over 30 minutes long. It's so good. At the end of it, the lady that was in red, she's my favorite worship leader. She says, you know, we don't say this stuff over and over because we don't believe it or we don't know it. And sometimes we get tired of saying it over and over. But God doesn't get tired of it. As you read in Revelation, the angels are constantly going around his throne saying, holy, holy, holy. They ain't never stopped. We're the ones that get tired. We're the ones that stop. Man, that hit me. Puts it in a different perspective. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the light in the darkness. That is exactly who he is. So even when we don't feel it, we don't see it. We know it. We know it to be the truth. So this morning, I want to... Oh, Children's Church. Sorry, guys. I was just ready to roll. (laughs) Children's Church. (laughs) While they're walking out, y'all are going to watch me kick my shoes off. I don't ever minister with my shoes on. might be weird for some people, but at least my feet are covered. They're behind the pulpit and ain't bothering you, I hope. Um, But it's a personal conviction. Moses, when he goes next to the burning bush, says, hey, kick your sandals off. This is holy ground. And I respect this position. This is a holy place to stand. Without God, I can't do it. So, let's pray this morning. Y'all pray for me. Um, I know we've got some new people. Normally, I'm not the one preaching. Normally, that's my husband, uh, but this is a special Sunday morning. So, anyway, if you'll bow your heads with me this morning. Lord Jesus, I just come before you right now. Asking you to show up. God, speak through me. God, I pray this morning that the people that are here don't hear my voice. God, may they hear your voice. It's the purpose. It's the reason. It has nothing to do with me or anybody that stands behind the pulpit or anybody that proclaims the word. It has nothing to do with them. It is everything, everything to do with you. So, God, may you just flow out of me this morning (laughs) the things that you've placed on my heart, the things that you've placed on my mind. God, and even more so than that, give me revelation as you're speaking this morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly, Lord. May our eyes and our ears and our hearts be open and receptive to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, y'all. I'm going to try not to stop, but as Aaron and I were driving over this morning and... Just about every time he's ever heard me preach, I cry. So hopefully that won't bother you either because it's probably going to happen. I have some comedy, but I'm very, very sincere as well, and that's my heart. I tend to be more of an emotional individual and can't help it. All right, so I wanted to start off a little bit of my personal testimony this morning um, because a lot of y'all know Aaron's background and you know his testimony. He's had, through many services, been able to give tidbits of that, so I wanted to give a little bit of mine. Um, personally, I grew up in church. My dad is a minister. For some of y'all who were here while my dad was here, he got to preach. Um, and that's what I grew up under. Uh, we did originally start in the Baptist church. And so um, at that point in time, I was, I was really little. And they preach hell an awful lot, do we? And I was terrified. I was genuinely terrified. And so I asked my dad, I was having bad dreams, all this stuff. Like, hey, Dad, I need need to get saved. Like, I don't don't want to deal with that. But at that point in time, I said the sinner's prayer. But it was more like God was my get-out-of-hell-free card. It really didn't have anything to do with relationship. It really didn't have to do with anything of lordship. 
no changed behavior, etc. Those were words said and words said in vain. And I didn't know that. And so as I continued to get a little bit older, um, my dad, we ended up going to um, the Pentecostal church instead of the Baptist church as I got a little bit older. And uh, it was one Sunday morning. Now you're thinking cliche, right? But I didn't get saved at church on Easter Sunday morning. We had went to my grandmother's house doing all the Easter eggs and the candy and the money that you find in the <coughs> prize egg and all of that sort of stuff. I had a great day. It was glorious. We're driving back home that evening, and I hear this voice in the back of my head, like, you don't know God. You don't really know him. And I'm thinking, okay, that's cute. Get thee behind me, Satan. Y'all know. But it kept persisting. And it was more like, you don't know me. Jesus, duh. I'm a pastor's daughter. I know who you are. I've read your word. I read it every day. I know who you are. And all of a sudden, it really started hitting my heart. And so I'm asking my dad, okay, could somebody have just said the sinner's prayer and not meant it and that not mean anything? Um, like, I'm getting kind of concerned here. Is there, what's with this backsliding thing? Is this once saved, always saved, or not really? And I'm, I was 10 years old asking these questions. And my dad's like, whoa, uh, we, need to, we need to pray when we get home. And I thought, okay. And I'm sitting in the back seat and I didn't even say anything. And I thought, what if we don't make it home? I was that nervous. What if we don't make it home? This is this is a pretty big deal. And out of nowhere, my dad like pulls off to the side and starts to pull into the Walmart parking lot. And he says, I just had this feeling we might not make it home. And I knew right then that it was very real and it was definitely God because I didn't say anything. And so in the new Walmart parking lot, it was right after it had been built in Tennessee, Dayton, um, next to this light pole, I could take you to where it is. I gave my life to Jesus. It was more than just words. It was more than just a sinner's prayer. I really wanted him to be Lord of my life. So now I joke. <laughs> Walmart has everything. At least that Walmart does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's pivotal. I have to throw that in each time I talk about my salvation story because otherwise I will just bawl. But, you know, that's always been a big deal for me to explain to people. It doesn't just have to be right here in this church. And so when we go out... We've got to point to everybody, everywhere, in our jobs, at our house, whatever. God's willing to meet them there. Anyway, as I continue to grow um, and learn and um, everything in the Word, I would go with my dad to all of these meetings, these different um, revivals, all of these different things, right? And I would always go up for prayer. Normally, they'll say, okay, well, whatever I ministered on, if you want to come up for prayer for that, we'll pray for you. And they always have this secondary aspect which Aaron tends to do if you need prayer for anything if you need prayer for anything come up and I would go up every single service and I'm pretty sure I started to annoy people but I walked up every single time and I said God I want more of you and so some of these ministers would go no what, what specific do you want me to pray for did you hear me I want more I want more of God because I knew at that point there was so much more of who he was than what I knew and what I had experienced. And I didn't want to stop and be stagnant where I was. This was as a teenager. Everybody else straight thought I was nuts, like all, all the kids my age. Like, we were completely separate separate people. It just weren't on this, even the same track. And so each time I would go up, God, I just, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want more of you. And so one of those times that I went up for prayer, I was about 16, maybe right before I turned 16. I went up for prayer again. God, I want more of you. And 
I had a vision. And that ended up confirming what God wanted me to do with my life, which was to minister. I know some people don't agree with that, but that's my story. It's so real, you couldn't convince me out of it. And so then I go and tell my dad, hey, dad, guess what? God's called me to preach. My dad, being a minister, is like, okay, hang on a second. Hang on. Because we had already experienced so many things from him being a pastor and being a minister, he was straight terrified for me. It's like, let's, let's, uh, let's pray about this together. Let's ask for confirmation. Because I don't want you to go in this and God not really be behind it because it'll be that much worse for you. The only reason some people make it is because God's behind them. When he's not, they definitely fail. And so probably within a week, I'd had three or more confirmations. Unreal. I won't go through all that because I'm taking a little bit of time on my testimony. But um, go to my dad and finally I'm like, this happened, this happened, this happened. And he was like, you're right. And so not long after, got with Aaron. Uh, we got married and we're both on the same track. We worked in all of these different ministry capacities, all these different churches. And I've really been supporting him and going through his ordination process and obviously moving 500 miles away from my family to be here with you all so that we could minister together. Um, but this is my first time ministering the word for you all, so just going to tell you, we're different. Just like in case you hadn't noticed, we do not preach the same. We don't even act the same, so it's not going to compete. But <clears throat> I wanted to share with you all this morning um, something that's been on my heart. So I don't know if you've ever heard somebody talk about the word being alive and how you can read something and it just feels like the words are jumping off the page and you just can't. It's unreal. But then there's other things that you read, and it just feels like you're reading any old book, right? Well, I'm going to share a little bit this morning of some of that stuff that's been jumping off the page, the things that have been alive. It talks about in the Word that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. God is alive. His Word is alive. And when you see those alive portions jumping off the page, it's because it's an aspect of who God is that he wants to reveal to you, something more in depth, something that you need to learn. And so I wanted to share what God has been teaching me, okay? Um, if you will turn, I do have a lot of scriptures this morning. Y'all don't necessarily have to turn to each one. But <clears throat> the first one I would like you to turn to, it's John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. <clears throat> Sorry, y'all. I've got a little stuff going on with my throat here. Um, I want to talk to you all about the word ask. Ateo, and that's the Greek word that we're going to be reviewing this morning. And that literally means, a lot of, um, a lot of people don't know this, but I took Greek when I was in college. I have my degree in pastoral ministries. I had two full years of Greek. Did not end up graduating with my Bachelor of Arts because of some technical things, um, but I did have the full two years of Greek. And um, a lot of times I find that in the English when we see a word, we take it for what we know it to be. When there was so much more meant by those words when Jesus used them. So I do want to break it down a little bit. I'm not going to be complicated. I'm not going to use some big words like my husband does. I'm going to break it down as much as I possibly can, okay? Um, but the, <clears throat> sorry, the Greek word for ask is a teo. And it doesn't just mean ask as in a simple, hey, can I have your cell phone? Hey, can I borrow your Bible? It wasn't just like a simple ask. It literally means to beg, to call for, to crave, or to desire. This particular ask word 
is like that depth of I've got to have this. I'm going to ask you for this, but I've got to have this. It's very important. I desire it. I'll beg you for it. I'll do anything to have this. That's the type of asking we're talking about here. Okay. John 14, <clears throat> 13 through 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Sorry, I didn't mention, I'm a old school King James, so if y'all are looking out of the other Bibles, that's not exactly going to match. It's pretty close. Is it pretty close? Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> I've preached out of the same Bible every time I've ever ministered. It's the same one that my dad preached out of, my grandfather preached out of, great-grandfather, the whole nine, so I'm pretty particular. Uh, but I will read out of any versions. Just throw that out there. Every version is okay. Well, okay, not every version. There's a couple. Sorry, Pastor. But I won't get into that. I'll leave that one up to him. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to start off with us learning to ask. So I'm going to use my son as an example. I was used as an example. I'm going to use my kids as an example. It's easy to do. So when Asher was really, really little, he would use one word. He couldn't really form sentences yet. And so he would come up, juice, juice, juice. And y'all, he would wear us out until somebody got up to get juice. Okay, it was continual. Juice, 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 juice. Well, as he continued to grow, I started noticing he was still just juice. I know that you can start forming some sentences. And so we had a little, a little war one day. You ain't getting this juice until you ask right. You're going to ask for this juice. Can I have juice? And not only are you going to ask like that, you're going to put please on the end because I want you to be blocked. <laughs> and so, oh my gosh, y'all, that was, that was a rough morning. But finally, can I have juice, please? It was as quick as he could get it out of his mouth. He wanted that juice. Okay, there you go, son. And so, as I was thinking about that, we are the children of God, right? So when we first come to him, we're probably just like little babes. Juice, juice. But I'm going to tell you, if my son turned 16 and said, juice, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. Because there's a certain level of maturity, understanding, politeness, the whole nine that I'm going to require of him because he is mature enough to do so, Right? And so I want to talk to us this morning about asking because we're at a different maturity level. We're not babies. We should not be screaming juice at God. There's a specific way that he has lined up in his word on how to ask him for something. So I want to get into a little bit of that this morning. Um, where I'm at on my paper here, y'all. Um, what does asking require? You know... The reason that this has been such an important thing for me, I feel like sometimes we get so far in that we start having this little battle in our minds. Well, I did ask, but I didn't get it. Well, why is that? Well, it's not God's word. God's word isn't the issue. There's an issue somewhere with something having to do with us. And so what is that? At this point, my son, as he's continuing to yell juice, he had to realize I was not giving him that juice just with him screaming juice at me. He had to learn that. So there's a couple of things I want us to learn about asking in our conversation to God. Okay? And his word does not contradict itself. Everywhere that it talks about asking, it all links together. Even if it looks like it doesn't, it does. And I want to get into some of that. Okay? 
Uh, the next thing I want us to look at, the next verse that I want us to look at is in John chapter 15 and verse 16. It's just the next chapter over. John 15 and verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Okay, so there's a couple of things I want us to realize about that verse. The first thing, you have not chosen me, I've chosen you. Right? So we have to be in relationship with God. That's, that's the first and foremost thing as far as us asking and craving. Now, does God perform things for people who don't know him? Yes. We won't even have to get into all of that. But there is a requirement here, as you can read on further down. It says that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. One of the things that I want to get into is about showing continual growth. Growing in the Lord, not staying stagnant where we are. A consistent choice. We have a choice whether or not we want to have that relationship, whether or not we want to follow his word, whether or not we want to bear fruit. We have that choice. I was going to get into something else, but I feel like that might bring, bring up some questions. But we have the choice of continuing to grow in him. There is that saying, once saved, always saved. I don't agree with that. Your pastor doesn't agree with that. <laughs> You have a choice whether or not you're going to stay in relationship with him. Right? And that's vitally important. Thank you for my amen in the back. Y'all y'all can definitely do that. Okay? It's not going not gonna to bother me at all. All right? All right. Yeah, perfect. Um, not only do we have to abide in God, have that relationship with God, be showing and continuing to grow in our fruit, it also has a portion at the very end of that verse, and it says... That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, it has to be in the name of Jesus. It is through Jesus that we even have access to the Father, right? Right. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah, that's the only way we, we can even get to him. So there's an aspect of Jesus in our relationship with him that grants us access to the Father. And he is the one that answers our requests, right? Okay. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. I told you all we would be using the word this morning. But I just want people to realize that it's not things that I have to say. It's what the word says. I'm just going to recount it to you. That's all preaching is anyway. Okay? Matthew 6, verses 6 through 7. The thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. The one that has shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. One of the main aspects that I got from that is that it's not about vanity or recognition. It talks of number one about being in secret, closing the door. There are things that you're going to bring to God in secret. The reason why is you have a personal relationship with God. There are things, we're all adults in here, there are things Aaron and I do behind a shut door that we would not do out in front of God and everybody, right? There, we have a relationship, and there are things behind a closed door. Okay, so seriously, we're called the bride of Christ. There are things that need to go on behind a closed door between you and Jesus that nobody else needs to see. That's vitally important for your relationship, for your growth. And it's not about recognition. It's not about vanity. And I think 
as I was reading here, and I know this isn't exactly what this means, but it cracks me up. Don't use vain repetitions and praise the heathen do. Oh, Father God, and we just come before you, Father God, and we thank you, Father God. And y'all, if I did that to Aaron for everything that I talked to him about, hey, sweetheart, can you come just for a second, sweetheart? Hey, babe, could you just come over here for just a second? Real quick, babe, hey, can you, can you imagine if you did that with everybody that you talked to? Oh, my gosh. It would get old quick. There used to be some quality of your conversation with Jesus. And it's not just, hey, Father God, hey, Father God, how you doing, Father God? Hey. It's, it's supposed to be a little bit more than that. It's not for recognition when you're out in public, too, because I think a lot of that's where that came up, where people would get up in front and, oh, Father God, we just come before you today. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and for what? And for what? Because they weren't really talking to God. They were more concerned about who was listening to them talk to God. What are you getting out of that? If all I ever did when I talked to him was worry about what y'all thought about my conversation to him, we would have real relationship. Be pointless. Not only do we have to abide in God, have fruit, ask in Jesus' name, not do it for vanity or recognition, sometimes... Things can require two or more. Sometimes there are things that we're going to do that don't require a shut door. We're going to look at that next. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. Just a couple of chapters over, y'all. Matthew 18 and verse 19. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So you're going to go, wait a second. You're contradicting because you said to pray in secret. Now you're saying it's going to require a couple of people. No, I'm, it's the word isn't contradicting itself. And I'm not when explaining it. There are things required of a relationship that are done in secret and things that are done in the open. And it's the same thing in our prayer life with the Lord. There are things that require two or more. But here's, here's the thing. When you unite and link up with somebody else and pray touching any one thing, they've also got to be abiding in God. They also have to be showing fruit. They also have to be praying in Jesus' name. They also have to be doing it with you, not for, for vanity or recognition from anybody else. Just as you are required that in your personal prayer, the person you're going to link up with needs to have that also. It's important. When you link up with somebody... It's kind of like this. Um, all of us have certain maturity levels, right? You, you wouldn't catch me hanging around with a 12-year-old. Okay? It's the same thing when it comes to prayer. We're all called children of God, and we're all on different maturity levels as his children. So when we link up, we need to link up with somebody that we know is mature in the word, in their growth, in their faith, to link up with us and pray to people touching one thing. Because we need to know, and we'll get into this next one, about believing together. In just a minute. <clears throat> I wanted to mention this about praying where it requires two people. Sometimes I feel like when we come to God in prayer, there are certain things that we want to keep in that private realm. We want to keep with that closed door. And so we go to God and we seek him and, and we're like, okay, God, this I'm craving for it. I'm begging for it. I mean it. I'm really asking you to this extent. And we don't ever take that to that next step of asking somebody to link up with us. If your reason behind doing that is pride, that's a problem. 
right? There's sometimes some things, I ain't asking nobody to pray about that with me. Like they're going to think this about me. They're going to whatever. And it causes a pride issue within yourself. Maybe that thing you're asking for, you're not going to get until you link up with somebody. Until somebody believes with you for that thing. That's a heart check, right? We're mature enough to know that. We're mature enough to know that. And if you're not, say, hey, God, reveal it to me. Show me if there's something there blocking, right? It's as simple as that. Because he says, all we have to do is ask. And that's one of those things that he will definitely show you immediately. Okay, the next portion. Not only do we have to abide in God, have fruit, ask in Jesus' name, not do it for vanity or our own recognition. Sometimes it requires two or more people touching that one thing. The next portion of asking has a conjunction and believing. Let's look at Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22. Matthew 21, 22. In all things... Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. You know, I feel like this is where sometimes we get things a little <laughs> twisted. Or we ask for something and we don't get it and we go, well, God, you said all things. Isn't that, what, isn't that what that says? And all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So what if we asked for and not really believed he could do? Well, God, I, I pray for so-and-so, and, -so, and I'll, I'll just be completely honest with you guys. I've prayed for people and watched cancer go away. I've prayed for people and watched them get pregnant that shouldn't have got pregnant. I've watched miracles happen, but when I ask for God for something for myself, I don't really believe he's going to do it. That sounds kind of bad from somebody standing back here, don't it? But I'm just being honest. Because a lot of times I know, I know who I am. Christine, you don't know who I am. You know about me. You don't know who I am. The bad things that only God knows. The things that are within myself that I wished weren't. The mistakes that I've made in my past. All of those things adding up. And so I tend to focus on those things when I'm praying and I'm not really believing. That's kind of one of those things where... It's Peter, right? Got out the boat. Yeah, sometimes I get some of the peas messed up. But Peter gets out the boat, right? And he's all... He's walking on water, right? We're Bible people, but think about that. He's walking on water. This is not just a story, it's real life. He's looking at Jesus and he's walking on water. But the moment he looks away, down he goes. And we do the same thing in prayer every single time. We're looking at Jesus and we're walking and we're saying, God, I believe you, I'm asking it. All of a sudden, we start looking at, but wait, I messed up this week. I'm not really a good person. I didn't I didn't pray right for so-and-so. Why would you answer this for me? And all of a sudden, you're drowning. Literally drowning. Because your eyes are no longer fixated on Jesus. Here's a newsflash. It has nothing to do with you. If you want something in prayer, it has everything to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with you. He loves you. He wants relationship with you. All of that. When you look at your kids and your kids mess up, all right, yeah, sure, maybe there's a spanking involved. Maybe there's timeout involved. Maybe there's some grounding involved. Did that change your love for them at all? Absolutely not. God's love isn't changed for us. 
He loves us. And when we realize it's not on our own merit, because we read that, but we don't believe that, it's not on our own merit. It was on Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and rising again after the third day. We didn't do that. It's on his merit. Are there works involved, etc. later on? Yes, we won't even get into all of that. But it's all about Jesus. And if we really believe that. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, that ask, beg, crave, desire, that you ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. I'll also go into a little bit of this. When I was a child, and I would go to my mom or my dad, listen, y'all, there were certain things I did not ask them because I knew better, right? Okay. It's not that God can't do anything, but there's a, a level of maturity that you get to that I'm not going to go to God right now and say, hey, God, you know what I'd really like? I'd like a Porsche. I want it white. I want everything else blacked out. The, the windows, I want chrome. Oh, I want chrome. And I just, why would I not ask for that, y'all? Well, let me get into some specifics. There's a payment that goes with that, that right now on a pastor's salary isn't happening. So why would I ask God to put me in debt? Why would I, you know, whatever. Hey, God, give it to me. I still have to pay taxes. You don't get what I'm saying here? With a level of maturity, you know what to bring before God's throne. And it's also, hey, it's not about that vanity, right? Because a certain portion of that's like, God, I want to drive around in a Porsche. I would look so cute in a Porsche. <laughs> Y'all, I would look cute in a Porsche, okay? <laughs> but, but, I know better than to bring that before his throne. What do I bring before his throne? I can bring him some other impossible things. I can bring it up where it's like, so-and-so died, they weren't supposed to. I'm going to go pray for them. And I know y'all are thinking, are you serious right now? Yeah. We're going to get into some more verses about that too. He said, greater things are you going to do. Y'all, Jesus raised people from the dead. He said we were going to do greater. We're not even doing that right now. Why? Because unfortunately, we don't know these aspects of asking. We don't have that in our tool belt, so to speak. We're just little children. Juice! Juice! And I'm pretty sure God in our relationship with him requires more than that. Not only do we have to ask and believe, the next aspect is asking in line with the will of God. Okay, let's look at 1 John 5, 14 through 15. First John chapter 5, 14 through 15. Y'all don't have to turn, but if you want to, I'm just going to give you a second. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Okay, so now we've added in this other aspect. It's not just about abiding in him or having fruit or asking in Jesus' name or doing it where we're getting recognition, not doing it where we get recognition. And we're, we're believing. We've pulled other people in that linked up with us the whole nine. But this next part says, if we ask anything according to his will. Well, sometimes this is where people have brought me questions. How do I know if it's God's will? How do I know? It's, it's real simple. This part's real simple. 
look at you in the back. I got people in the back going today. Yes. Okay. It's right here, y'all. Where it talks about after after Jesus had received all of the beatings and everything before the cross. That was the moment that he took so that we could be healed, right? So when we come before him and ask for healing, we know that that lines up with his will because that's what he did for us, right? Go back to that little Asher example. I've bought the juice. I've supplied everything that my son needs. But how am I going to know if he's thirsty? He will have to come ask me so that I can get him what he needs. Now, God knows, y'all. Unlike us parents, we don't know everything. We like to think we do, but we don't. God does know everything, but there's still that aspect of us asking that's important to him because we are his children. He has supplied it all, but we have to ask. There's a requirement. It has to be in line with the will of God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. So back a couple of chapters. I've been in the Gospels for a while. We'll move from that in a minute. But these are words of Jesus, y'all. <coughs> Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. The word ask there, I'm going to go back a little bit to the Greek, but like I said, I am going to simplify this. Basically, a teo there, it is a present active imperative. Okay? We've got our tenses in English, there's just a few. In Greek, I had multiple pages of these different tenses of these words because so much more was meant in the way that they said these words in their tenses. Okay? It is a verb. It's in the present active imperative. And basically what that means, breaking it down, is asking in a habitual practice. People used to say, well, you've asked God for it. He didn't give it to you. Okay, move on. This word right here, because we go back to its original, we know what it means. It literally means keep asking, keep begging, keep craving, keep desiring. That's what that word means there. Keep doing it. Make it a habit. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. And you're like, okay, well, where's an example of that? We'll get to it. Look at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. I had to pull my Bible up close to my face, y'all. It's tiny print. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And he, this is Jesus, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and to not faint, saying, There was in a city a judge who feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in the city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? 
I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. I used to get kind of irritated reading that. If I'm completely honest, the reason I'm in this, and this has just been another season of God and his reminding me, I've been praying for something for close to 11 years. All the time. Like, daily. Like, crying about it, begging. Literally. When I'm like, God, I didn't know we were supposed to beg, but if I got to, I will. And I would get so irritated thinking, I know I have got to be more annoying than that widow. What's going on? What's going on, Jesus? Because I ain't liking this. Y'all, I'm still praying about it today. I haven't seen it yet. Do I know I'm going to see it? Yes, I do. He will avenge me speedily. He will. Why? Because he's a just judge. We know that God is a judge, right? He's he, Jesus literally compares God and his justness to this unjust God. He's like, look, he couldn't care. This guy couldn't care. And he was still going to give that widow what she asked for. And I love you. I love you. What I'm asking for, in case y'all are wondering, does line up with the will of God. So let's not even get into any semantics over that one. I believe that he will avenge me speedily. He will do the same for you. <clears throat> speedily. Let's look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. <clears throat> 2 Peter 3 and 8. It says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. See, sometimes people get a little impatient with God, not realizing that our thousand years, because in case y'all didn't know, we don't live to be a thousand years old. So our life is literally over like that in comparison to his one day. He's above time. He knows we live in time, so he is gracious to us to let us see the things in our time. But he doesn't work according to our time. He's above that. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're so much higher. So even though I would be completely and totally ecstatic if God answered that prayer for me today, when the time comes, I know, and I will know then, I have no doubt, the reason he waited till that time, and it will be the perfect time. Have you ever noticed as you've grown, there were things you wanted when you were younger? And now that you're an adult, you go, man. But that's because you had that level of maturity, right? You know things now that you didn't know then. When you get to that aspect in your Christian walk, you'll realize why God has a perfect time for everything he does. Everything. There are no coincidences in him. None. Sorry, kind of distracted. Um, you know, this is something that I had thought about. And for whatever reason, Nikki, you just came to my mind when thinking about it. So when a mother, let's say something goes on at school. And you go in and you talk to the teacher. You're going to know these moms I'm talking about. You go in, you talk to the teacher. They don't do nothing. The situation keeps happening. Ooh, mama ain't happy. So mama's going to go back in. Mama's going to talk to the principal. Ain't nothing happened. Not over my baby. Absolutely not. Next thing you know, you're going to the school board. Excuse me. 
This situation has been happening. I went to all of these people. They ain't done nothing. Okay. I don't know what the next step is after that. I don't, I don't know. But mama ain't stopping. She's going to keep going until finally, oh, ain't nobody going to take care of the situation? I'll just take, I homeschool my kids. You know, you know. When that mama gets to that point, if it's a rough enough situation, she's like, I'm done. <laughs> Come on, babies. Come on. And we will push as a mama. We'll push and we'll push and we'll push. We'll talk to whoever we got to. We'll say whatever we got to say. And if we have to come just slightly unglued to make the situation change, we will. We will do whatever, whatever we have to do for our children, right? But when it comes to God, we want to ask him one time. Why? Why? Because it's not a lack of faith that I keep going to him. It's building my faith that I continue to go to him. God, I, I know I asked you yesterday and you didn't do it yesterday and I'm going to ask you today and I'll ask you tomorrow if you think today is not the day. And I'm going to keep coming because I know one day when I come, you are going to answer me. And y'all, it puts it in a little different perspective because I'm not going to pretend like I haven't had days where I'm just like, okay, I give. I don't get why it can't be today. I don't understand why you're not answering me today. God, don't you know this sucks? You know, Aaron and I, we were talking about words that probably shouldn't be said behind the pulpit. That may have been one. Sorry, <laughs> folks. But I'm real. God, this sucks. There's not a thing I can do about it. You have the lady who had had the issue of blood for 12 years, right? And she is literally, so I'm, I'm still a year short. Y'all, she had done everything. Paid every last cent, went to see every doctor, probably took all the ointments, all the essential oils. She did all the things. She didn't stop because she knew crawling through people. Guess what? Her pride was done. She didn't care. She reached the hem of his garment, knowing that that would be enough. Because sometimes there are aspects of things that we're praying for that, oh, you can just go to the doctor and that'll be fixed. You can just take this medication and that'll be fixed. I'm not telling you not to take your medication, folks, okay? So let's not get into that. But <laughs> there are some things that no matter what you do, it's not going to happen. It's just not. You try all the natural stuff. You can do all the things, whatever, whatever your prayer is. You could have went through all these different routes, but there are some things God's like, this one's got to come through me. I get to do this one. Because there's certain things as parents we want to do specifically with our kids, right? God's the same way. It's the same way. He wants to give it to you. He wants you to know how to ask him for it. He wants to give it to you in that perfect time. You know, we have one life, one chance. Now, I'm not going to go into this whole YOLO thing. <laughs> I know we're going to live again with Jesus, right? But we only have one chance here to show the people around us who we serve. 
Are we walking around in such a state of disbelief that they don't want anything we got? I mean, if you're walking around kind of depressed all the time and you don't really have that faith and that joy and that unction in Jesus Christ that, I'm sorry, some people I've seen that's Christians, I'm like, whew, that's rough. That's a rough life. <laughs> I don't want that. Y'all, I can be serious. Y'all have obviously seen that, but I can also have some joy too. And I want the people around me to know through my actions, through my asking, through my belief, through my unity with other people who are in that same position, for the people on the outside to go, I want that. I want that. I had, I'm just going to share this because it just came to my mind. I'm just going to share this little uh, aspect of testimony with you guys. So in high school, as I mentioned, I was the oddball. And pretty much people just knew that. They would come up to me, and it was always like very secretive. Hey, hey, my mom needs prayer. Um, can, could, you, could you do that this week? And like Jen. Y'all, I'm serious. I can't even tell you how many times that happened coming up to my locker or whatever. It was like in hushed tones. Anybody looking, we're going to move quickly. But they knew. When I prayed and asked God for something, it happened. I had a girl that could not stand me in high school. She was not one of the ones that came up and asked me to pray for nothing. She was the one that called me names. She was the one that was rude to me. She was the one that messed with my stuff. After we graduated high school, years later, I'm at Lee, and I get a message from this girl talking about how she had given her life to Jesus, how she had turned her life around, <coughs> and she thanked me. She thanked me because she didn't have anybody else in her life that knew Jesus. She said, you were the only one that I ever saw that was real, that had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I wanted it. Y'all, I had no idea. This girl made fun of me, messed with my stuff, was rude to me. I had no idea that all that other stuff, y'all don't know. Who's around you where your obedience is going to make a difference? And that comes in a lot more forms than just asking, but... I want to look at uh, two more verses and then I will hush and y'all can be done with me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Oh wait, Ephesians chapter 1, sorry. I'm so sorry. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 22. In the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that, may, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. I had a revelation one time I was preaching this scripture. And God just totally spoke through something through me that I had no idea. Our babies, they need you for a second. 
Um, one time I was ministering the word. I was actually ministering on Ephesians 1. And Holy Spirit spoke something through me. And it was like, y'all, I didn't even know that I had said it. And I kind of stood back and was like, wow, that was really good. You know? Have you ever heard some preachers do that, but they're just kind of full of themselves? You know? No, no, no. I stood back and was like, get it, Jesus. That was good. Because I knew it had nothing to do with me, y'all. I'm not, I'm not smart enough for that. Where it talks about Jesus being the head. Okay, I'm going to put this in perspective for you guys. Jesus is the head. We're the body, right? Okay. Where it talks about all of those things being under his feet. Whose feet are they? It's us. That aspect where it's talking about being under his feet and it talks about us being the body, all of those things are under our feet. Okay, let's read that again. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and had put all things under his feet all things because sometimes we want to say that there's these negative things that are, are going against what we're asking God for right that ain't got nothing. That ain't got nothing on God. It's in our mindset, because we're taught this from the earliest ages, that it's good and evil fighting each other. It's a constant tug of war, right? We see it in the Disney movies and everything else. That's what we're taught from childhood. God ain't fighting nothing. It's done. The work is done. And I feel like sometimes we forget that. We want to give some of these other things precedence that don't deserve it. God's already completed it. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. It, whole thing, all of it, done, it's finished. So why are we all the time looking at something as though it's unfinished? I'm in on 11 years of praying for something, but what I know is it is finished. He is going to come about it speedily. It's done. There's something, and I, my son's learning to go potty, y'all. I'm so proud of him. Good job, Bubba. Amen. <laughs> y'all just don't even know. Man, that has been, woo, a war. Proud of my baby. Um, comic relief. But I know as I've been talking about this this morning that everybody's had one of those things. One of those things they've asked for. One of those things they've quit asking for. One of those things they once believed for and quit believing for. Everybody in here has got one of those things, whether it be 11 years worth, eight, six months worth. Do you think that matters any different to God? <coughs> because your time frame may only be praying for it for six months. Mine might be 15 years. And regardless, I'm going to continue to believe him. Because he is a man and a God of his word. He is not a God that he should lie. I believe him. If I can believe him, and this is what blows my mind, if I can believe him for my salvation... Because that's like the biggest deal, right? Ain't nothing else really matter. But if I have enough in me to believe him for my salvation, why don't I have enough in me to believe him for something else? I'm not even asking for something crazy, y'all. I'm not. God's done bigger things. God can do bigger things. It's finished. 
Whatever it is you're asking for him, don't don't stop because we talked about that. It needs to be a habitual thing. You need to keep doing it. You need to keep bringing it before his throne. But when you continue to bring it before his throne, do it with belief. It's. I feel like sometimes we look at all this stuff and we go, okay, well, there's simple one. We gotta abide. We gotta have fruit. We gotta ask in Jesus, and we start doing all these things, but we leave out like pretty much the most important part. And that's believing him for it. I want to look at Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Exceedingly, abundantly, above. That's like you taking a glass. I'm going to fill my son's juice up, right? And I pour enough to fill four glasses into the one. That's what that is. Exceedingly, abundantly above all you could ask or think. Y'all, I think up some pretty crazy stuff. And he wants to go above that because he can't. So why are we going to stop? Why are we going to stop asking? Because he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above. The last verse I want to read is John 14 and 12. This is literally the verse before the two verses that I started with. John 14 and 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. We have an opportunity in this house this morning. If you want, do you have anything that you could just kind of throw on there, love? We have an opportunity this morning, as we have grown, as we have learned. If you knew it before, kudos to you. See, I knew a lot too. I did. I mean, I've got my degree for this stuff. I, I should have known, right? It still doesn't mean that I didn't have a hard time and have days where I wanted to stop. It also didn't mean that I didn't have some pride in me want to ask somebody to help me pray for it. It's hard sometimes, y'all. I'm not going to pretend that it ain't. But what I do know is what I spoke to you all this morning. It wasn't an Aaron message. Is a very simple message. But sometimes we need to be reminded of things. I want to take the opportunity this morning. If anybody has something that they've been asking God for for a long time or even a short time, I would like to come together with you where it talks about two people agreeing on any one thing. I want to come together and believe with you because that's what we're supposed to do. If we come into this house, with our cute outfits on and our hair done and just sit there. Really, what's the point? There's not, like, I, I can't just, this is my heart. I can't just not be this way. I don't want to just come in here and sit there, y'all. That's not what I want. My southern accents coming out. Y'all, I won't do that, y'all. I don't. We got that one life. I got one opportunity for somebody in here who's asking God for something to help them see it. Do I want to live a life where I just sit there? Y'all, that's so discouraging. And ain't nobody out there want that. 
Nobody out there wants to get ready on a Sunday morning and come in here all dressed up nice and sit there. Nobody wants that. They want to come in here with somebody else who's going to believe with them to see a miracle that they need. And if we're not seeing our own, how are we going to help them see theirs? Why aren't they seeing stuff happen? I've heard way too many ministers go, man, I just want to see God do all of these things. and I just haven't seen. I'm through saying that. Today, God, today, let it be today. I want to ask you for it today. I want to believe for it today. He said, greater work shall you do. Greater. Okay, God, I'm taking you up on it. I'm taking you up on that amazing offer to watch a miracle happen. So, Ann's got a little bit of music on. I'm going to have him come up here with me. Pastor, everybody would stand up this morning. If anybody has something that they have been asking God